118 church members uh, giving their time in vacation Bible school this week. And we had about 300 children and middle schoolers and 118 workers with over 400 people here each day. And uh, building into the lives of children. Thank you for giving your time. Thank you for praying. Uh, we had 14 children who indicated that they had prayed to receive Christ as Savior this week among our older children. So we shared with them and foundations laid for many others. So we just rejoice in that. Amen. Praise God. Uh, tonight uh, is our Vacation Bible School Family Night at 6 o'clock. Uh, first through fifth graders going to be sharing a musical. They're to be here at 5 p.m. Uh, kindergartners at, four, at 5.45 to get ready. I want to encourage you to come and, and to meet uh, new families and support them. And so I hope you'll be here at 6 o'clock as we share in that and then a time of fellowship following in the gym. So we rejoice in what a good week that it's been. In the month of June, I'm sharing a series of sermons on leadership entitled Followers Become Leaders. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you're to be a leader. Last week laid the foundation for it with the idea that every follower of Jesus is a world leader. We looked at 1 Peter 2, 9 that said, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are God's special possession. You're a holy nation. So every one of us has a leadership role in our world. We're the priests to the world to represent God as a holy nation. Now we want to begin to cultivate leaders in different areas. And today we're going to talk about church leaders. And so as you're a follower of Jesus, maybe today God's working in your heart where you're beginning to be, need to take that next step to a role of leadership in the church. And so we want to, uh, we want to call you out and encourage you to consider some different roles of leadership. Let me share with you four uh, types of leaders in our church that I want this to apply to and you to be thinking about today. First of all, we're going to talk about pastors, uh, about calling out future pastors for the church and the kingdom of God. When I was uh, a junior in high school, I, beginning my junior year, I was 15, hadn't turned 16, right in that age group. And I felt God calling me to, to give my life to ministry. I didn't know it would involve being a pastor in a local church, didn't know what it would be. But an unmistakable call of God that that's what he wanted me to do with my life. And so I'm praying that maybe God will call some of you, teenagers, college students, young adults, middle-aged adults, maybe God's working in your heart that, to be a pastor, to be a minister. And so I want our church to be an incubator that cultivates and calls out pastors. We're going to be talking about that today. Second, we're going to be talking about deacons. The other formal leader in our church are deacons. And next Sunday, you'll have the opportunity uh, to elect from those who are already ordained deacons in our church serving in our deacon family ministry plan, five men to serve a three-year term on our deacon council. You'll have a list and you'll circle or check five names off that list. But also next Sunday, you'll begin to have the opportunity to nominate two new people to serve as deacons. And we need new deacons in our church. So I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider this as I preach on it today and between now and next week to pray about that. 
It requires, according to our bylaws, 10 nominations. So there have to be 10 different ones of you who nominate a person before that person can be considered. So we need broad participation. So as we look at deacons, we're starting a new connection group. So each of our deacons is connected to a connection group, and we've had a couple of deacons move away this year. So with new classes being added, a couple we need new deacons. So we're calling out some leaders and asking you to be involved in that process. Third area of, of uh, leadership is teachers. As we begin a new church here, August the 7th, we need new teachers for adults, children, and students. Partly because we are starting new connection groups uh, uh, at, uh, at 8.30 during this time. And I'll have a worship service at 9.45. So, so maybe God be speaking to you about, it's time for me to step up. And I want to encourage every connection group, in your connection group, what we hope to develop is a leadership pipeline. That is where there are people on the path toward becoming teachers. That you, maybe you're an apprentice. And so I encourage you teachers and you classes to, to cultivate future leaders in your connection groups. You ought to be moving through that pipeline, serving as an apprentice or whatever. And then the fourth area of uh, leaders that I want to talk to you about is what I'm going to call pioneer missionaries. We're looking for 100 people from this service who will flip-flop and come to connection groups at 8.30 and come to a worship service in here, the same kind of worship service at 9.45. Past two months, we've had over 400 in every service except Memorial Day uh, weekend in this service. And we get up 425, 450. There's just not place for people to find a seat. So we're starting a new worship service. doesn't look that way this morning, and it won't for the next month or so. You'll be saying, well, we don't need that. And then school starts back, and you say, oh, we, we need this. And so we're, we're looking for pioneer missionaries to go where no man has gone before. Lottie Moon went to China. Hudson Taylor went to China. William Carey went to India. We're asking you to go to 830. That's what we're asking you to do. Surely if they could leave family and friends and go to China for the sake of the gospel, you could leave family and friends and go to 830 for the sake of the gospel. Don't you think we could do that? So we're looking for 100 of you. And uh, Cindy will have, as we'll be announcing what those 830 groups are within the coming weeks. There are teachers right now that are praying about that, so we're still assembling those teams. And we'll be announcing those teams so you can see what class would be in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And you'll have a chance to sign up. And we're looking for 100 of you to sign up. And then there's another area of leadership we're going to talk about today. And that is functional leaders. You don't have to have a position to be a leader in the church. You can be a functional leader in your youth group. Youth groups need functional leaders. You don't have a title, but you need to be that person that says, yes, we're going we're gonna to be this type of person for the kingdom of God. You can be that functional leader in your connection group or in your circle of friends within our church. So those are the types of leaders we're going to talk about today. So let's begin. We're going to look at the pastoral epistles they are First and Second Timothy and Titus. These were written not to churches like Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians, but written to pastors. Paul's writing to younger leaders about getting new leaders. And so first we're going to talk about pastors. Would you consider that maybe God, if you're qualified, is calling you out to be a pastor? First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It tells us about pastors. Here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. 
So if God's putting a desire in your heart to explore that, that's a good thing. Now, we talked about there's a call of God to ministry. I believe that. But there also can be a desire, and the desire and calling, when they meet around competency and giftedness, then God may be calling you to ministry. So would you uh, consider that? Now, it says uh, the word overseer or bishop here. Now, why, when I say we're talking about pastors, does it, are we talking a passage that says overseer bishops? Well, there are three words in the New Testament for the primary role of leader in a church. Let me show you a slide that lists those so we can compare them. And I have the Greek word here because it helps us to understand some differences in denominations. People ask me a lot of times, what's the difference in denominations? Well, one of the differences, practical differences, is church leadership. Different groups have different theories about church leadership. For example, the Greek word that we just read in 1 Timothy 3.1 is episkopos. Uh, episkopos, you, you can figure, the Episcopalians emphasize bishops or overseers. The Episcopalian form of government has bishops or overseers above the local church. Uh, and Methodists came out of the Anglican or the English Episcopalian. So Methodists also have an Episcopalian form of church government in that they have bishops who are over in a hierarchical system and Catholics have an Episcopal kind of church government. So you get, that's where the name of denominations, that's one of the differences practically how we believe that churches are to be led. We're going to look at a second word in a minute. I'm showing you all three here, and then we're going to look at them in Scripture. We're going to look at a second word in a moment. It's presbyteros. I bet you can guess which denomination emphasizes this form of church leader. The Presbyterians have presbyters or elders who are, again, representing a church in some kind of hierarchy above a church. The third word is poimain, which is translated pastor or shepherd. And uh, that's the word that we use most commonly uh, of those. And, of course, Jesus, when he said, I am the good pastor, I'm the good shepherd, he said in John 10. It's this same word and this is role. Now, what we as Baptists believe is that all three of these terms are, refer to the same church office because they are used interchangeably in Scripture. Now, not throwing rocks at these other groups. You can do church government different ways. This is just one of the differences. And so we believe we don't have a hierarchy where somebody's above the church. We have congregational government. And, and we believe that each of these refers to the same office. So that, you know, we could call Elder Tim or Bishop Todd or whatever. We don't usually use those, but that's, that's what we believe. Now let me show you that in Scripture. Show you three places. First of all, Acts chapter 20, verse 17 from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Okay, you see the word elders there? The same group, then he's going to talk to them. Let's skip down to verse 28. And Paul says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which God has made you bishops or overseers. Be pastors or shepherds of the church of God. So you see how all three of those words, he's using them interchangeably. He speaks to the elders and he says, you're to be the bishops, you're to be the pastors of this flock. You see that? Okay, let me show you a second place in Titus, another of the pastoral epistles, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Paul writes to this young pastor, leader Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders, 
in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, husband of one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must so you see how he switches terms in mid-sentence there? He's obviously referring to the same office. Well, obvious to me. Maybe it's not obvious to everybody. It seems to me he's referring to the same office in two different terms. One more in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. To the elders among you, Peter writes, I appeal to, as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be pastors, shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them. So you see there, so we're talking, when we talk about overseers, elders, pastors, we're talking about the same office. So let's go back with that introduction to 1 Timothy chapter um, 3, verse 1, uh, and then see the qualifications that follow for overseers, elders, or pastors. Verse 2, now the overseer is to be above reproach. The first area he's going to talk about is character. You want to move toward being a, you feel God may be calling you to be a pastor, you need to be a person of character. The second is, and we're going to see some other words about character, but we're getting the introduction in verse 2, the husband of but one wife. And so family life is a second qualification there. And we understand this to mean that it's to be a, a man who has not been divorced and remarried. And, and some people are rebelling against that idea in the church today and say, wait a minute, what about there's some divorce that's, that does not involve sin, right? That's true. Well, then why would, why would you punish people that, uh, well, I'd simply say to you, God is saying there's a high standard for church leaders. And God says that to, to be the husband of but one wife. Second, the third uh, area, we're just getting the overall areas in verse 2, able to teach. So there has to be some competency. There has to be some giftedness there. So character, family life. Go on in verse 2 and it talks about character. It says temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. In the verse 3, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. All those are delineating character. And then verse 4 continues with the theme of family life. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So the family is a proving ground for leadership in the church. And what has been done in the family prepares for and reflects on a leadership in the church. There's a close connection. And then a fourth qualification in verse 6, he must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. So there needs to be some time. A new believer should not be in a position of church leadership, a time of persevering and testing. It's interesting in this verse that he says that he not fall under the same judgment as the devil when he becomes conceited. It gives us a little bit of a hint back into the fall of, the, of Satan there. God's angel who apparently became conceited and prideful and that's a danger in positions of leadership it says and so a new believer should not be put in that position. And verse 7, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Families, would you allow your kids to be called into ministry? Would you encourage them? Is God speaking to you about a call? This may be what God wants me to do in my life. 
Let's move to a second area. This passage continues with the second position of leadership in a church. In verse 8 it says, In the same way are likewise deacons. So it's saying there's a similar qualification, and we're going to see that similarity with, with deacons here. The word deacons means servants. And so deacons are the servants of our church. They serve you the Lord's Supper, don't they? And they serve primarily as under-shepherds in our deacon family ministry plan. They're all connected to a connection group. And they pray for you and they share prayer requests. And and they are an under-shepherd serving in our pastoral ministry team for each connection group. So, men, would you you consider, is God, is this... Should I, my life be open to being a deacon? And congregation, would you look and how is God leading you to nominate people to be deacons? Here's the qualifications. First of all, number one, they must be men of character. It says in this verse, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere. It literally means not double-tongued in the way they speak sincere. Uh, it says uh, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. I would sum that verse up by saying you look for people of character. Secondly, they must have spiritual depth. Verse 9, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. So when we're looking for deacons, we don't, we're not looking for popularity or good looks necessarily or great management skills or success in business. We're looking for character and spiritual depth. People who hold the deep truths of the Christian faith with a clear conscience. That is, not doubting, but have some stability in their beliefs. And number three, they must first be, or they must be tested over a period of time. Verse 10. They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. So if you're new in our church, and you've only been a Christian a few months or a year or two, you're not ready to be a deacon. I hope that you will, I hope you'll get in the deacon pipeline. I hope you'll say, I'm going to be tested. I'm going to become a person of character. I'm going to do these things that God requires so that if God wants to use me, I'll be usable in that way. And then the fourth area, they must have a strong family life. And it says in verse 11, in the same way, their wives are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, uh, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. So as you consider who you nominate for a deacon, it's appropriate to consider the person's wife. Because, again, family is a proving ground for church leadership, and there's qualifications here for the wife of a deacon. And again, it continues in family life in verse 12. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. And then verse 13 says there is reward for leadership. Whenever you serve God, there's blessing. You don't serve it for the blessing, but there's blessing. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So I'm asking you as a congregation to prayerfully consider who you would nominate as deacons. Now let me talk to you about other areas of leadership. You may say, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a man. It requires male leadership here. and I'm, I'm not the husband of one wife. or I've, I'm a new believer. I, I'm not qualified yet for this. 
What, are, what does God want of me if I can become a functional leader in my youth group? If I can become a leader in my connection group where I'm an encourager and I, I, I'm, I'm saying to people, yes, we can do that. What does God require of me? Well, let's go to another of the pastoral epistles and look at one more passage. And that is in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. And Paul here sort of uses a parable, a comparison. And he says in verse 20, In a large house there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. So I brought some low-tech visual aids with me uh, today uh, from my house. I don't have necessarily a large house, and I don't think we have anything of gold or silver that I could bring to you. But I've got the same principle for you. So I got this out of our kitchen cabinets this morning, and this is one of my wife Cindy's uh, serving dishes. I think it's a piece of corningware, and so uh, she puts food in this. My wife makes good potato salad. Last week, she put some potato salad in one of these. And so this is used in my house to serve food out of. It's reserved for that purpose. This is what I drain the oil out of my lawnmower into. This is the pan that I use when I change the oil in my lawnmower to drain it into. And so I got it out of my shed uh, this morning. Now, these two are not interchangeable, right? Cindy would not be happy if I drained the oil out of my lawnmower into this. And you would not be happy if we served potato salad out of this, right? This container is reserved for some purposes. It's holy, you might say. It's dedicated to purposes of serving food, right? I could have made this a more graphic illustration if I brought a bedpan, but we don't have a bedpan, and I, I didn't think I wanted to go there anyway, but I think you're going to get the, the message. This is used for a common purpose, and so uh, it is not fit to serve food out of because it has been defiled. It, has, it is used for a lower purpose. Now, Paul is speaking to about church leadership, and this is the parable that he's using. So what's the application? Look at the next verse. Verse 21. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So you want to be a leader, you want somebody God can use in your youth group, in your college dorm, in your workplace, you want to be a leader in the church, then you dedicate yourself to God's special purposes. You put things in your life, you only put things in your life that are for that purpose. And when you are reserved, when you are dedicated, that God, I'm, I'm not... Everything's not going in my life. You can't be everything. Some people want to be everything. They want to be everything to everybody. 
And you can't be everything to everybody. Because if you put everything in your life, then you can't be reserved. You've disqualified yourself from that which is special. You want to know how to be a leader? Why don't today you dedicate your life to God? Why don't you say, God, everything's not going to be in my mind, in my heart, in my life. I'm going to dedicate myself. I want to be used for a higher purpose, for a, a special purpose. And I, want, I don't know what you have role have for me in the church or in life, but I want to be a leader that will please you. And so I dedicate myself to you and to your purposes. Use me as you will. Would you say that? to him today. Now I want to say one more thing to you. I've been speaking today to leaders, to church members. Before you become a leader in the church or in the kingdom, you have to become a follower. And so where you may be today is you may need to take that step to become a follower of Jesus. I want to read to you one more passage. It's Mark chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. It's when Jesus saw some young men, and he called them to follow him. Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. Do you hear how the following would turn into the leading? Do you hear how followers would become leaders already as he called them? He was saying to them, I have a purpose for you that will fulfill you in life more than what you're doing now if you will follow me. But the first step in finding fulfillment and purpose and meaning and service is when he comes and says to you, will you connect yourself to Jesus as Lord of your life? Will you become a follower that one day you might be a difference maker would you become a follower of Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, I pray today that from our church here, you'll call out leaders in whatever area and role you have for them. And, Father, I pray right now for those who may need to take the step of following you. Perhaps, Lord, you spoke to their heart in Vacation Bible School this week, and today they want to share that publicly. Perhaps, Lord, as a family, they, they want to come and say, we want to be followers of you. Perhaps, Lord, there's someone who's ready to confess you and be baptized next Sunday when we have baptism. Lord, stir in their hearts and bring them to you. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand together with me? We're going to have a song of invitation.